The Grandmother Stories Seeking Light in Dark Times Hello, I'm Katherine Matheson. Writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. I've walked this earth through six decades and even the fools among us can see the situation in this world that our children will inherit is dire. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, Your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times. Episode 5 Tree Magic and Your Tree of Life We move through our lives and we live each day in motion. From the time you learn to walk, dear grandchildren, you've been running through the houses and the yards and the parks and the hallways of your life, not wanting to listen whenever you were told to stay still, stay seated, stay in your room, stand still. What would it feel like to stand still for so long you could feel your feet beginning to put down roots, if your toes could stretch all the way down into the earth, far enough to feel the dirt on all sides, to be able to sense the texture of the soil, and to just be still, even as the worms and the bugs slither around your feet, and maybe even in between your toes? Could you hold your legs still? as they became a part of your trunk, and then hold them that way forever? What would it be like to know your knees would never bend again? Could you lift your arms to the sky and hold them there for your whole lifetime, never moving except in the wind, strong enough to hold a nest or a small child or a bear cub? What would it feel like if your arms just became stronger the longer you held them up? What would it feel like to have 30 arms or 40 or 50 arms all sprouting from your trunk, all reaching for the sky, all getting thicker and longer as you stayed standing still all day long, all week long, all year long, all the time. And as your roots grow deeper and wider, your arms, all 75 of them now, are also growing stronger reaching higher and growing so tall that now the top of your reach is almost 100 feet off the ground. And every day you have birds and squirrels and insects all around you and on you. You give them parts of yourself. You give them your bark and your leaves and sometimes even your branches so that they have protection and a place to sit and a place to build nests and even food for them and all their relatives. 
What would it feel like, dear grandchildren, to be a tree, to live inside a tree body? Feeling the sap rising in your toes each spring, flowing up your trunk, out into your branches, filling your buds and pushing them to open themselves to become your new leaves, to let your sap run into them through the spring, the summer, and into the fall, and then to withdraw your sap from the leaves as the days grow shorter and darker, to pull your own awareness back down through your body and all the way down into your toes. And when you let yourself grow sleepy, to let yourself fall asleep for the whole winter, still standing, will you feel safe knowing you will still be standing when the winter is over? And it's time to wake up? Would you dream all winter long while you were being covered in snow and ice as you stay standing where you are in the same place you've always stood? And now you are a hundred years old. You have more than 300 huge branches and countless other smaller ones that reach out all around you, touching the branches of dozens of other trees. Your toes have become a massive network of roots that match your branches, growing just as strong and thick and reaching almost as deep as your branches are reaching high. And you can feel the roots of your tree body mingle with the roots of all the other trees around you. And together, you all hold up a canopy of leaves reaching almost 150 feet high. And in the highest places of your uppermost branches... You can feel your leaves ripple and flutter in the light breeze, and you can feel them warm and bright green as you drink in the sunlight. This is one way to become a tree in your imagination. This is also part of the teaching in those ancient schools we can imagine, the ones in the world of long, long ago, the world that existed long before the world that exists now, the schools where the old ones taught the young ones all they needed to know about trees. <laughs> Some students learned so well, they were able to turn themselves into trees for a day or two. Others learned to talk to trees and to hear their stories. And every few generations, a student would come along who knew how to step all the way into one tree and then step out again somewhere else through another tree. One interesting thing to remember about this kind of learning is that it stays with us lifetime after lifetime, and this learning can be remembered again in new ways and in another lifetime a long time later, especially when it's most needed. Once, there was a young woman named Roisha, who lived in Ireland long after the two a day had left the land as was told in episode four of the grandmother stories. But 
It was still a long time ago, perhaps a thousand years before the beginning of our current age. Roysha had lost her parents in a clan war. She was raised by the wise woman of the clan that had won that war in defiance of the order of her chieftain. The wise woman was sister to Roysha's mother, and she had stood her ground to insist on raising Roysha. When she was still a small girl, Roysha had befriended the Fae, as the Tua, who visited the land sometimes in secret, were now called. The Tua had claimed her as friend because she held some of the old blood, which meant she could still see them and speak with them. Roysha had learned the wise woman's ways in helping with the birthing of babies, the easing of children's breathing when the bog sickness came, and more than once saving the life of the chieftain's prized hounds when they had been injured during the clan's hunts. On this day, however, it was Roysha who was being hunted. She was running through the warm summer grass in the long meadows called the Downs, making for the old forest. The hounds had caught her scent and were now hard on her trail, but still a long way back. Even fey magic was not going to be enough to keep her safe should they catch up with her. The hunting party was armed with swords and bows, and she could hear their labored shouting as she ran, and she knew they were angry, in part because they were on foot, the same as she was. All the horses in the land were ill with fever, an illness that the chieftain claimed she had caused. The tribe had named her sorceress, and when she ran, rather than allow herself to be taken, the hunters had gathered their dogs and chased after her. As if I would ever do harm to a horse or to any other creature, she thought, as she sighted the long shadow of the horizon, the safe harbor she sought, the high-limbed trees of Donegan's wood. Whatever had caused the horse fever, it had arrived in other parts of the land first, and it had nothing to do with her. The hounds run faster than people, and if she wasn't able to stay ahead of them, they would catch her and keep her at bay until the hunters came. Not today. For a reason the hunters could not fathom, the dogs kept veering off her track to run in long spiraling circles which caused long delays and confusion as a dog would suddenly turn away, followed by the rest, then stop, confused, until the main trail could be scented again. Roisha silently thanked each of the three young Tua who had caught up with her and then passed her running ahead. Each of them had taken an item of hers and used it on her back trail, running in those long spirals, spreading her scent across them and then running them back again in a bid to delay the hunt long enough to give her time to reach the forest. Imagine it. If you could see the trail from above, you would see this long track that Roisha was running. She's making straight for the downs. And faster than she was running, much faster even than the hounds were running, there were her three Tua friends behind her, each peeling off from her trail at intervals on either side of it to run a long looping spiral all the way to an inner point and then 
turning around to run the same loop again all the way back to the trail. Along the trail then, from up above, you can see parts of it curving away like huge beautiful leaves sprouting from the main trunk of the trail. So now her friends have caught up with her, and together they're running in single file, in sight of the forest. Even as they draw within a furlong of their goal, the dogs and the hunters have crested the long sloping hill behind them. Already in full voice, the hounds howl when they see her rushing down the slope with renewed eagerness. She falters for a moment, turning to look. Don't look back! Run faster! called Burba. The hunters pulled up, slowed, and they even halted when she turned. They were too far away for her to make out their faces. Even so, she felt the keen gaze of the captain as it fixed on her, making her feel as if her feet had frozen to the ground. Roisha, you must away, called Anan, who used the music in her voice, the music with the power to persuade, a tone Roisha had only heard once before, and that was earlier this morning when Anan had begged her to leave and to run to find sanctuary in the forest. Together with Burba and Cassock, Anan had taken her across the downs in this mad rush towards the forest, where Roisha would be able to take refuge with the Tua. Even at this distance, Roisha could feel the draw of the man Ragnall. She could feel it down to the soles of her feet, and it felt as if she were being commanded to throw down roots on the spot. Roisha, called Anan again, he cannot have you. You belong with us. Roisha knew it was true. She had grown up with all these men, and as children of the tribe, they had played at tree magic. But she and Ragnall had been the best at it, and everyone knew it. There had been a time when the two of them were the closest of friends. But Ragnall was a man of his tribe now. His path was not to run with her as much as he may have once wished it to be, she realized. All this passed in a heartbeat between them as she stood on that last trail into the old forest, and he stood on the crest of the hill. The hounds had reached the bottom of the hill and were on the flat of the meadow now, and bounding toward her. Roisha turned and ran. But she paused again at the edge of the forest to turn and look one last time. All the hunters were running again, and the hounds were drawing closer, and Ragnall stopped again too. And now she could see him throw out his arms toward her, and she could hear his voice shouting at her. She could not catch his words, but she knew their meaning. They both knew what she was going to do when she found her way into the forest. They both knew what it meant, and they both knew that they would never again be a part of each other's lives. She raised her arm in farewell, and then turned away. She followed the Tua to the tree she thought of as her own. She ran to the fairy fort upon which it stood. The fort and the tree stood in a clearing in the old forest, and on this day the air within the clearing felt somehow thicker. For Roisha, it was also filled with voices all chanting and calling her name. 
Anan and Kasek and Verba had run ahead, trusting at the last that she would be able to cover this part of the ground without their help. The guardian tree was the one tree in the forest that could never be cut down. The guardian tree held the luck of all the land in its bark and in its branches, and all knew that to cut it down would bring seventy years of bad luck to the tribe. It was with this tree that Roisha's life was about to be altered forever. She'd always known it, but she'd not known the how or the why, not until her friends had come to her today to remind her of her purpose. There was no more time to hesitate. With the hounds now almost at her heels, Roisha ran through the clearing and up the slope of the fairy fort with the briefest of bows at the entrance stones. And as she crossed the threshold, a tingle blossomed briefly in her chest and then spread with the warmth of a true welcome into her whole body. She had never done what she was about to do while running at full speed, but the Tua had assured her it would be allowed now in this circumstance. She ran straight toward the guardian tree, and the guardian tree opened its trunk wide to receive her, and then closed itself to all those that followed after, even to Ragnall. And she was not seen again in those lands by any living member of the clan. There is a lot more to this story, dear grandchildren. What's been told so far represents everything above ground, so to speak. The roots of this story, like the roots of a tree, are unseen in this moment, but without everything that came before, this story would not exist. For example, knowing what caused the clan war that led to the loss of Roisha's parents. Now, the story itself the tale of how Roisha disappeared into the guardian tree represents the trunk of the tree. It's what's easily seen. It's what can be told and talked about pretty much as it happened. What has not yet been told about what happens next in this story represents everything above the trunk, everything that's hidden from view in the branches behind the leaves. As you move through your life, dear grandchildren, walking and running and definitely not standing still for very long. From the perspective of your tree of life, your story, the one you're living right now, is about a lot more than just the everyday events of your life. There are parts of your story you cannot know because they happened long before you were born, or they happened when you were very young and not yet able to hold a clear knowing of who you are. And for this reason, you do not remember them. These are your roots. Everything that came before now, before today. And the branches and the leaves that are so far away you can hardly see them. These are all the long years of your life ahead. As you move through your life, dear grandchildren, it is my deepest wish for you that you are able sometimes to stand still long enough to experience a deep peace in knowing that whatever your roots are, and however deep they go, you can draw upon them to fill your own inner strength. You can feel your whole being reaching for the sky in a way that takes you exactly where you need to go, keeps you safe, and brings you all good things. 
Thank you for listening to Episode 5 of The Grandmother Stories. I'm Catherine Matheson, writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find, even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, and your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we're all seeking light in dark times. See you soon.